Lots to do today on London Live. We're going to jump right into it in a moment. How do you think Canadians feel about mandatory vaccinations? How do you feel about mandatory vaccinations? Personally, I'm in favor. We have an ability to get rid of something. Measles, whooping cough, otherwise known as pertussis. Never called it pertussis back when we were young, but that's that's what it is. And it's not good. And we could get rid of it, except for the fact that not everybody vaccinates against it. Huh. How do Canadians feel about mandatory vaccinations? Find out how you feel about mandatory vaccinations by just taking a second, thinking about it, and then we'll discuss that. We will talk about a team that could win a fourth consecutive Western Conference championship tonight. The London Nationals are in action. Pat Powers, their head coach, is going to join us. We are also going to be in conversation in just over a half hour from now with Ontario NDP leader Andrea Horvath. There is a town hall tonight, and this isn't... An annual event, but it did happen right around this time last year where there was a visit to London. This time around, they are talking health care, and we're going to be talking health care. There are a lot of concerns. There are concerns from teachers about education. There are concerns, obviously, from anybody within the health care sector about what the Ford government may have planned. And the super agency... I still don't know whether that's a good thing. Should I be making fun of that? Am I going to look like a fool if I do? Well, it won't be the first time. We will talk about what they are doing at OLG that could make us all wealthier. And we're also going to give you an opportunity a couple of times today to win tickets to go and see the London Knights and the Guelph Storm as they kick off their playoff series on Friday night at Budweiser Gardens. We have tickets to Sunday's Game 2. And we'll be giving a couple of pairs away throughout the show. So hang around. Lots and lots to do. But why don't we begin with mandatory vaccinations? Because something very interesting has taken place. Ipsos has done a poll. And that poll has looked at Canada-wide Canadians and whether or not mandatory vaccinations would be a good idea for school-aged children. So this is not, hey, you... 45-year-old individual. Can you come over here for a second? Can you roll up your sleeve? This is for school-aged children. And it was prepared for Global News. And joining us right now is Jennifer McLeod Macy. And Jennifer is here to kind of give us the results. Jennifer, how are things on this Wednesday? I'm good, Mike. Thanks. Well, thanks for being here. We really appreciate it. Let's look at, first off, what you went in to find out. Is it as simple as, hey, would you be in favor of mandatory vaccinations for school-aged kids? Yeah, well, we wanted to touch on a a number of things. And, you know, we've heard a lot in the media recently, and we wanted to see, well, where exactly were Canadians on this issue? And nearly all Canadians um, indicate that they would approve of a legislation that would mandate age children to be up to date on their vaccinations and uh, they feel quite strongly about this we have a majority who even strongly approve of this legislation and that's across the country when we're talking about majority throw a number at us how big does the majority get okay well we have nine and ten or 88 percent who would approve of the legislation two-thirds would strongly approve meaning you know imagine there was a vote tomorrow a referendum on that issue uh it would be passed 
And this would be to legislate, in other words, making it mandatory, that brings law into all of it. This would be to legislate vaccinations for school-age kids. That's right. Make it mandatory. Canadians also believe that vaccination compliance rates should be posted publicly um, at these schools and daycares. So that when you go to drop your child off in the morning or you're passing by the building, you would know whether or not that school was compliant. So we've got 85% of Canadians who believe that these rates should be posted. Wow, that is a really interesting question to get an answer to. You wonder what kind of an impact something like that would have. But you get, once again, an overwhelming number saying they would be in favor of something like that. Jennifer, you're involved in polling a lot. When you see numbers like 85%, like 88%, help us to understand, you know, how how convincing is that when you compare it to other poll numbers for other questions that you have asked? Oh, I, no doubt about it that this is these are high percentages. Uh, I do a lot of polling in the public health space. This is undeniable. Um, their opinions are very clear on this. Um, very strong majorities, nearly all. But, you know, while they're very clear on this, it is a complicated issue. We also have uh, many people who, while they, you know, they believe vaccinations are necessary, there is still a sizable proportion who are worried about the side effect. And what that means is, my opinion might be really clear on this legislation and, and that this should be mandatory. But yeah, I do still think about the side effects and I want, you know, more information on this. Doesn't mean I'm not going to vaccinate my child. It just means that, you know, I'm not going to blindly go into it. I want to have all of the facts. Jennifer McLeod Macy joining us on London Live. Jennifer is the vice president of Ipsos Public Affairs. We're talking about an Ipsos poll that was prepared for Global News, which asked a few questions regarding mandatory vaccinations and vaccinations, period, and got some pretty significant responses from Canadians. Now, given that you looked across the country, was this a a pretty uniform result across the country, or did you see certain areas of the country maybe feeling differently than others? Uh, That's a great question. I was really expecting um, to see stronger, even stronger majorities out West, given the, um, you know, the outbreaks that they've encountered. But these strong numbers are present across the country. They're a little bit softer in Quebec, which isn't unusual. Often uh, Quebecers kind of stand out on their own um, on a whole range of social issues. Uh, But, you know, while it is softer, it's still majorities out there as well. Any contradiction, or sorry, contradictions pop up in the poll? Sometimes that will happen. Did you see anything strange like that? Yeah, you know, it's funny. While um, while a majority say they, you know, they would approve of legislation and want that posted, most people would still drop their child off at school, even if it wasn't compliant. So, again, I think, you know, uh, you might call it a contradiction, but it also speaks to that complexity um, of the issue. So... I'm still going to bring my child because uh, it's probably not going to happen to me or don't tell me exactly what to do. I want the information to make the decision myself. Um, But, you know, I also at the same time want that legislation in place. Interesting stuff. Jennifer, thank you so much for the time today. My pleasure. Take care. Jennifer McLeod Macy, who is the vice president of public affairs with Ipsos as we look at the results from a poll that they did for Global News. So 88% of Canadians would support mandatory vaccinations. If we look way out west, B.C. actually has mandatory vaccination registration at schools in September. That's what they're hoping for. And so they're already doing it. You know... 
you look at how we get influenced by things that we see, and it reminds me, we'll get to this either a little later on today if we can, or even later in the week. We got talking a lot about conspiracy theories last week, to the point I think we put on a lot of tinfoil hats. I know I keep mine in the corner here, and we put on the old tinfoil hat. It got to be Conspiracy Theory Alley on London Live. There is some talk about YouTube and the prominence of certain types of videos, some that are found absolutely factually inaccurate. And I'm not pointing fingers at what they are, neither is YouTube. But YouTube is in a really interesting spot in that they just put out material and the people who are producing the material are hoping a lot of times for a lot of clicks because that click, if it comes a whole lot of times, is going to make them a lot of money. And so it's difficult to say, okay, well, we'll post this video, but we won't post this video. And YouTube gets cracked on a lot for having a lot of inaccurate information out there or fringe information out there. And so that's something they're trying to deal with But we get this a lot. I mean, everybody is their own reporter now, right? So you can start up a great old movement without doing much other than posting over and over again on whatever social media platform you're able to get caught on fire. So, oh, well, I'll put this out there. Yeah, okay. And then when you have celebrities pick up things who have all kinds of followers and start talking about things like vaccinations, it can create... A whole lot of hysteria that otherwise wouldn't be there. And let's face it, if you've ever had a child, the only thing you should want to have for that child is a fantastic life and the best life and the safest life. And if somebody says to you, you know, there's a chance, you know, I I heard or, oh, I read that this might not be safe for children, that there could be complications from vaccines then all of a sudden that hysteria picks up and it gains traction. And then we do have things firing up like measles and pertussis outbreaks, which can be not just devastating for young people, very young people, infants especially, but deadly. And yet this thing was under control. This thing wasn't around. But the virus never really disappears They still have quantities of smallpox in the United States and Russia that they're hanging on to. But you look at the hysteria you can create. There was the guy in Britain, didn't we talk about him the other day, who was able to make his restaurant number one on TripAdvisor in ratings, and yet he didn't own a restaurant. But people were even rating it and reviewing it who hadn't been to it. It was crazy. This is the kind of stuff you're able to do. We're going to take a break. We'll get into that a little later. I want to touch on YouTube either later in the show or even later this week. But up next, we are going to talk with Pat Powers, head coach of the London Nationals. They are trying to do something for a fourth consecutive year. Could happen tonight. They take on the Leamington Flyers. They're after a fourth straight Western Conference Championship. This kind of stuff just doesn't happen. Man, are we lucky with the sports community we have here. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. We talk about it a lot, but it probably isn't enough. How lucky we are to have the sports community that we do in this area. From 
Western Mustangs and Fanshawe Falcons. The Falcons have won more provincial championships this year and more medals nationally than ever before. The most decorated year in Falcons history. The Western Mustangs are always winning the football team back-to-back in the Vanier Cup, won one of them. Tremendous stuff. And then you look at the London Lightning, the London Knights, the London Nationals, uh, the London Majors. We're just lucky. And tonight, the London Nationals go after a fourth consecutive Western Conference championship in the Greater Ontario Junior Hockey League and a berth back in the Sutherland Cup playoffs to be the ultimate in their junior hockey world. Joining us right now is the head coach of the London Nationals, Pat Powers. Pat, how do you keep doing this? Well, we just uh, we just kind of keep showing ourselves with uh, with good players and uh, and good staff to kind of help out the situation, and and we're obviously led off the ice by uh, by a fantastic owner and, uh, and Ken Enser. Well, you have a shot tonight at another Western Conference title that would make four consecutive Western Conference titles. It's a three nothing series right now. You have the lead. Are you surprised at the fact that you are up three nothing in what is the championship series in the GOJHL's Western Conference? I mean, I think when you get to this point, you're always going to be surprised when you have a little bit of a cushion um, in a round like this. But uh, but I mean, the series has been obviously much closer than what the three nothing um, games uh, games indicates. Uh, I mean, Leamington's played us extremely tough, and uh, we've just got real good goaltending and, and opportunistic scoring. And obviously, in the playoffs, if you've got those two things, you've got a lot of great opportunities. As far as the playoffs have gone, how big a test have you felt all the way through? Is the biggest test tonight in order to close this out? Could it be still to come? Uh, you know what? I mean, every series has kind of brought its own thing. Um, I mean, St. Thomas, obviously, there's a real big rivalry there based on uh, on proximity and, and kind of what happened last year. Uh, we faced a kind of a real young, real fast, hard skating LaSalle team that uh, um, really didn't give us any room. And, and then you t- then you face a, a Leamington team, which is much the same as, as LaSalle, um, but they got a couple of real good scores and they got an outstanding goaltender that's, that's made hard on us. But I mean, uh, as you know, and, and as everyone kind of sees through playoff structures, that uh, um, the further you go, the harder things get, and, and the more you got to push. Pat Powers, head coach of the London Nationals. Tonight at 7 at the Sports Centre at Western Fair District. London and Leamington game four. If the Nationals win, they are Western Conference champions for the fourth year in a row. In junior hockey, you tend to have all of these kind of jumping off points where, yes, the Sutherland Cup is the ultimate in what you are striving for, but there are sometimes big victories along the way. How big is the Western Conference championship in competing against the rest of the teams you see all year? I mean, it, it's huge. Uh, I mean, you look at our conference. I think our our conference. Uh, I mean, St. Mary's finished um, finished kind of at the bottom of our conference, but uh, there was no tap in games. I mean, every every single game was a uh, was a huge challenge, and and uh, I would say the parity in our conference uh, uh, is better than any of the three conferences. So, so I, I think throughout the season, uh, we've been challenged every step of the way, and, and it's a real feather in our cap to be able to come out on top of. Uh, uh, this conference and and, and Leamington stole that from us in the regular season by by gaining the number one spot and, and uh, but but we said we're willing to let that go if if we're able to kind of uh, uh, overcome that in the playoff rounds. You said it. They jumped by you in the regular season. When that happens, sometimes it can be a big motivator. Has it been able to be a big motivator? For sure, uh, for sure. I mean, uh, we, we, I mean, as every team does, we we set goals along the way and 
and one of our goals was uh, was to finish first. And, and and I think with the start that we got off to, uh, maybe we got a little bit complacent, and, and maybe some bad habits set in. And and when that sets in, it's kind of real hard to to, to change around. And and Leamington took advantage of that, and and, and all the credit to them for uh, for a real strong regular season. But yeah, it, it's definitely disappointed us that we didn't get that. Um, but you got to kind of put those disappointments aside and move on. Pat, we wish you the best of luck tonight. Continue what is, I don't even know what, how to describe it, but seemingly an, an endless string of great teams in this city. Well, thank you very much. I, I appreciate the time. Take care. Take care. Pat Powers, London Nationals head coach. Is it something in the water? We still have fluoride in our water. So people want to take that out. Maybe don't touch that. Maybe are we getting Gatorade flushed into our water? Should we... Do some tests on that. I can't explain it. I have no idea what it is. Actually, you know what? I can't explain it. It's a lot of great organizations. It's a lot of great programs. That's what it is. A lot of hardworking people. That really helps to explain it. And we're just lucky. If you're a sports fan in this city, you just sit back and enjoy. Because there's always something to enjoy. 7 o'clock tonight, London Nationals take on the Leamington Flyers. And they are looking for a Western Conference championship and a sweep of the Flyers. Then you've got London Lightning tomorrow. You've got the London Knights starting on Friday as they take on the Guelph Storm. That'll be Friday and Sunday. How would you like to be at Sunday's game, too, between the Knights and the Storm? Anybody interested? Well, we can make that happen because we happen to have two tickets to give away right now. We'll open up the phones. This will be a phone contest, 519-643-2222. That's 519-643-2222. So the phone lines are open. Here is the skill testing question that you must answer. And you're always allowed to guess. How many points did Alex Formanton of the London Knights have in round one? How many points did Alex Formanton of the London Knights have in round one? Here's a hint. He leads the OHL in playoff scoring. 519-643-2222. That's 519-643-2222. You're allowed to guess how many points did Alex Formington have in round number one against the Windsor Spitfires. And we need it to be more specific than a lot. So if your guess is a lot, that's, that's not specific enough. We do need a number. So first up, with the opportunity to win two tickets to go and see the London Knights and the Guelph Storm in Game 2 on Sunday afternoon. That will be a 2 o'clock start. Oh, and that's the, that's the other thing. We, we always ask that you be able to go to the game. So I think Jacqueline might be – Jacqueline, are you, taking, are you taking the calls? Okay, find us a winner, and can we talk to the winner we have to talk to the winner. We, have to, we need to congratulate the winner. So Jacqueline's going through the calls right now and getting us a right answer to the question, how many points did Alex Formanton have in round one against the Windsor Spitfires? 519-643-2222, and we'll let you know when she has a winner. I do believe we have one. Um, the other thing to know about that series is if you don't win a ticket, find a way to get a ticket 
because this is going to be a phenomenal series. It has all of the makings, has all kinds of skill, all kinds of future national hockey leaguers, and two teams that have a good history. And when they get together, uh, they produce some good hockey this year. Sometimes some very lopsided hockey, but some very good hockey so far this year. And it's been it's been interesting to see. In fact, the last three games that they've played, the winning team has not won by fewer than I think it's four goals. That's that's unheard of. That's that's a little on the nutty side. But they've also gone to a shootout. They've also gone to overtime this year. Guelph made more moves at the trade deadline than anybody else. We have our winner, David. Congratulations. Thank you, David. How many points did Alex Formanton have in round one? Eleven. You are off to see game two, Knights and Storm on Sunday. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Well done. 11 points. Putting that in perspective, in the first round of the playoffs in 2005, remember a guy named Corey Perry? You see him now performing at the NHL level. Stanley Cup champion, Hart Trophy winner as NHL MVP, that guy. He had 10 points in round one in 2005. Formanton? He had 11. We'll take a break. We've got news coming up with Jacqueline LaBelle, and we will have other opportunities for you to win today and tomorrow. There's another one still coming today. Very soon, we're going to be joined by Ontario NDP leader Andrea Horvath. We're going to talk health care. This is London Live, and you're listening to Global News Radio 980 CFPL. It is amazing how fast time flies. Want to prove it? Try and answer this question. When was Ontario NDP leader Andrea Horvath accusing the provincial government of hiding plans for health care? Of creating a way for the private sector to become more involved in healthcare. How long ago was that? Well, that's got to be, I don't know, six months, eight months, a long time. No, it was February. And, of course, there was a little bit of a lead-up to that. But in a moment, we are going to talk about health care in the province. We're going to speak with Ontario NDP leader Andrea Horvath. She is in town today, and she's going to be holding a town hall on healthcare from 6.30 to 8 at 255 Horton at the Goodwill Center there. Uh, from 6.30 to 8. Did I say 6.30 to 8? Not from 2.30 to 8. 2.30 to 8 would be a long time. 6.30 to 8 at 255 Horton at the Goodwill Center. So that's coming up, but we're going to get some thoughts as to what Ms. Horvath deems to be most important right now. Uh, we'll look, I want to look at hopefully some, some alternatives, some solutions. You know, play the game. If your party was in power, how would you be looking at this? How do we manage what is going on? Because we do have to remember that if you are in dire need of health care, as much as we hear hallway medicine, there are a lot of great stories about how good health care is. Now, do we need to get rid of things like hallway medicine? Absolutely. Is that scary? Should be, yes. Very scary. But we still aren't turning people away from our health care system in, you know, in a, a general 
I guess, a, a, a general trajectory. If you look in other countries, even if you look south of the border, sometimes you will get turned away from hospitals. Sometimes you'll have to try a few if you need immediate health care. And that gets scary. Now, if we have a lot of, of private interest coming into health care, if that opportunity exists, how will that change things? Not sure. I'm not sure any of us know. We always elect a government, we put them in power, and we put faith in them that they will make the right choices. So what do we have brewing here? Well, we're going to get an opposition viewpoint in just a moment. Andrea Horvath will join us next on London Live. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Healthcare is a big topic any day. Every day. Today in London... Ratchets up just a little bit. There is a town hall tonight, 6.30 to 8 at the Goodwill Center, 255 Horton, 6.30 to 8. Ontario NDP leader Andrea Horvath is in town today and will be there from 6.30 to 8 tonight. We are lucky enough on London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL to have Ms. Horvath with us right now. Ms. Horvath, thanks so much for taking some time for us. My pleasure, Mike. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. We were talking about basically two months ago, just about two minutes ago, and and kind of refreshing our memories on some of the things that were happening with evidence and documents that your party was able to obtain regarding what was coming in healthcare. When you look back to that particular time, what stands out to you thinking about where we are now? Uh, well, I mean, the government was denying that they were going on a um, a mission to privatize our delivery of healthcare services. They were denying that those documents were a reflection of what was really going to uh, be in the bill. And in fact, uh, the bill got tabled and uh, virtually 80% or more of what we saw in the draft documents that we had leaked or had revealed uh, were, were contained within the bill. And so uh, they were denying what was undeniable, which is that in fact they are uh, looking to um, go to the private delivery of healthcare services and uh, and create a super agency that uh, that basically centralizes uh, everything from cancer cancer care Ontario to um, you know to all kinds of other healthcare services, which creates less um, you know less uh, ability for communities and uh, uh, you know various parts of the province to have a voice in in their healthcare system. Who would you consider to be some of the most vulnerable individuals when it comes to the layout that the government has shown us? Well, I mean, I think it's uh, it's going to be um, a hit or miss situation. I mean, I think in uh, in communities like London, who are already ground zero for the problems that the Liberals uh, created in our healthcare system, uh, you're going to see things get uh, uh, go from bad to worse. I mean, when we have our public health care dollars siphoned off to go to private profits for corporations instead of stay in our healthcare system delivering frontline services, uh, then then a system that's already broken uh, is only going to get worse. Uh, but when you also look at communities that are uh, that tend to be uh, out of sight, out of mind for the government down in Toronto, so places like the North, for example, or or uh, rural Ontario, smaller rural communities, uh, they're going to even have less of a voice and less capacity to have their concerns considered when you have a big mega bureaucracy that's not, um, you know, that's, that's not able to, to 
you know, connect with, uh, uh, with the, the issues that smaller communities bring forward. Ontario NDP leader Andrea Horvath joining us. There is a town hall tonight at the Goodwill Centre at 255 Horton from 6.30 until 8 o'clock talking more about health care. If we look at, at what maybe should have been done here, if we look back, you had a, a pharmacare plan going into the last election. Uh, is that something that, that you would still look at now? Or if, if you had the reins, would you be looking to do something different? Uh, no, absolutely. Had we been elected, we would be in the process of putting together uh, the pharmacare plan, as well as ensuring that every Ontarian has access to dental care. Uh, these things are not um, uh, they're not impossible. They can be achieved. And in fact, what our uh, what our um, experts uh, were able to show us uh, is that in fact it could it could save us significant dollars uh, in healthcare going forward because uh, the access to uh, pharmaceuticals to, to prescription drugs uh, for everyone would help people stay well uh, because they'd be able to afford their drugs instead of uh, you know uh, uh, not getting their prescriptions filled because they can't afford to. Uh, but they would also take pressure off of hospitals uh, and uh, doctors' offices because people would be able to uh, uh, to stay well or or get better uh, because they're taking the scripts that they need. And also, uh, we would have been able to reduce the cost of our drugs by having um, the negotiating power of, of 14 million Ontarians uh, under our belt to, to help get those drug costs down. Uh, and, and as well with dental care, of course, everybody knows that uh, dental care is, you know, your mouth is part of your body. Uh, so making sure people have access to dental care would stop people from having to, for example, go to the emergency ward uh, to, to have a pain in their mouth dealt with, which happens, uh, you know, every three hours or every three minutes in, in somewhere in Ontario, somebody's trying to get help for dental care. Uh, you know, from their doctor or their hospital, which is just not right. We are talking with Ontario NDP leader Andrea Horvath about health care and proposed changes in this province. There are a lot of people who will latch on to the the possibility of more privatized health care, opening the door to that sort of thing. Is there any way that something like that does benefit this province in your mind? Uh, not at all. In fact, I think we have the evidence that clearly shows the opposite. Uh, when we, when the um, previous conservative government many years ago now started to uh, open up uh, the privatization of our home care system, uh, you know, now we've seen what's happened to our home care system over the years. I mean, it's become largely a for-profit system, and I don't need to talk to uh, folks in um, uh, in southwestern Ontario about some of the things that we've seen happen uh, in home care. Some of the biggest, uh, uh, you know, tragedies that we've seen was uh, the uh, the nurse that was able to uh, uh, to go on a, you know, a spree uh, where she killed so many people in, in nursing homes. Um, but again, part of the problem that we have in our nursing homes or um, long-term care homes is, is that we have a mixed model of home care, or rather of private and, and, and public care, uh, but it's also very underfunded. In home care, we used to have mostly not-for-profit, um, and now we have mostly private, and people everywhere are just beside themselves with not being able to get the quality and, um, and amount of home care that their loved ones need. In fact, we hear horror stories of people being told when the nurse finally gets to the, their home uh, to help them uh, figure out how to take care of themselves after a surgery, for example, they're being told to um, to learn to change their own dressings or to, to learn to, to uh, you know, uh, basically apply their own um, 
uh, injections and things like that, or asking family members to uh, to inject people with the uh, uh, you know the, the the drugs that they need. I mean, that's that's just totally horrifying. Uh, but again, it's all about when it when it comes to privatization, they, the the companies that are in it for profits need to find a way to make those profits. And so they, they siphon off the public dollars into their profit margins and, and the quality of service reduces. And so that's what happened in home care. Uh, it happens in long-term care. Um, and and we, we don't want to see that happen, uh, in, for example, in surgeries and, and, and other uh, kinds of uh, health care services. The changes in long-term care and home care, they've happened gradually over many governments. We've seen a lot of beds taken away. Uh, is yeah. that something, are we too far gone there? Could we ever change something and, and help that sector out? Well, I mean, I think we do have a crisis in, in long-term care and home care. And as you know, that's also backing up into the hospitals, which, of course, London is, you know, again, doesn't need uh, any, you know, extra verification of that for me your your patients their families and patients in london have been uh feeling this for many years now you were like the canary in the coal mine as a community when it came to the cutbacks in our our uh, hospital system but also uh our, the lack of investment in long-term care and home care that that led to uh you know extra pressure on the hospitals and yeah i mean it can be fixed uh, but what it means is that we don't put our public health care dollars into private pockets that we actually utilize those funds to provide better services, uh, and that we pr- we create the kind of healthcare system that puts uh, you know the p- patients at the center and ensures that uh, the people that deliver services, like uh, for example uh, PSWs, personal support workers, are able to uh, you know have uh, decent work uh, so that they stay in the field. So there are lots of solutions to the problem, uh, but what what I can guarantee you and what we've seen already is the privatization of uh, of our healthcare. Uh, delivery is going to make things worse and not better. Ontario NDP leader Andrea Horvath with us. There is a town hall tonight to continue this conversation, 630 to 8 at Goodwill Centre at 255 Horton. There are all kinds of cries all over the place saying, hey, streamlining does need to take place. We need to rein in some of kind of the the added people in this that, that kind of bog the system down. Is that something you deem as a priority? Uh, well, look, there's no doubt that the Liberals, um, you know, put the lens in place. Uh, that and we were very critical uh, of the lens because they 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 not only uh, were put in place to rationalize healthcare dollars in communities, uh, they also became the barrier uh, from uh, to to prevent community uh, concerns to uh, to be be dealt with by government. So they became a you know a, a block, if you will. Um, uh, but they also they also sucked up a lot of our our public dollars and and didn't create the kind of um, you know sensitivity to local needs that, that they were supposed to create and 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 shame on the liberals for allowing that bureaucracy excuse me that bureaucracy to grow and grow and grow. Uh, what what we do need though uh, is is um, you know is an opportunity to have the local community's needs um, be responded to by the Ministry of Health and and what. This government has done, instead of doing that, has created this super bureaucracy now uh, that folds in all these folks, uh, while at the meanwhile getting rid of some of some key, key organizations that have, you know, have been stellar in terms of health services in, in, in our province, right? particularly Cancer Care Ontario. And it's shocking that the government didn't even consult with Cancer Care Ontario. We found this out just yesterday um, and made all kinds of 
uh, you know, changes, dragging them into this super, super bureaucracy. Um, and they found out through stories in the media uh, that they were going to be consumed by this mega bureaucracy and um, uh, the uh, Gift of Life uh, Foundation, right? The, the folks that do the organ and tissue uh, donation are also being sucked into this mega bureaucracy, uh, which is, is not going to, you know, make sure that people's... Uh, uh, you know, access to cancer care or their uh, ability to be, you know, um, properly uh, properly listed or, or uh, prioritized on the uh, organ and tissue donation list are, are going to be dealt with. I mean, these things are they're going to lose their ability to provide great service as opposed to uh, to gain anything at all. And so, uh, you know, it's not just myself. Many, many thousands of people are very concerned about this and organizations. And the government literally shut down the debate and discussion. There were 1,594 people applied to, to come to committee and give their opinion to the government. And only 30 people got a chance to do that. That's less than 2%. That's not a democracy. Uh, that's a dictatorship, and that's what this government is doing by ramming through this legislation. And that's why we're going around um, in town hall meetings across the province to, to give people a chance to have their voices heard and to listen to what people have to say because folks are very, very worried. What is the format for tonight? Uh, tonight is the, it's a town hall, and so uh, we'll, I'll give a couple of remarks uh, off the hop. Uh, and then uh, one of the local NDP MPPs, I believe Terrence Kernahan, is going to be kind of like the MC or the, uh, the host, if you will. And uh, as people have questions, um, I'll respond to their questions and we'll have a, a discussion. I mean, some of the questions, I, I, I mean, I've done this twice already now, once in uh, Toronto, uh, Toronto proper downtown, and, and once in uh, Brampton. And uh, so London was my next stop. As soon as I came out of the Toronto area, I thought London was really important to get on the list early on um and so yeah so when folks come uh, we're we're going to have a dialogue and we're going to we're going to have that discussion um whether it's uh, people wanting to put their opinion forward or people wanting to ask some questions we're open to uh whatever folks want to do miss horvath thank you so much for the time today my pleasure mike thank you as always you take care you too that's andrea horvath leader of the ontario ndp so outlining the way that she sees the proposed health care changes. And, you know, she did illustrate, especially at the end, something that I did find pretty concerning. I don't know about you. We'll talk more about this in just a, a couple of minutes and certainly after news, if you would like. But the number of people applying to give their thoughts, their concerns, and then that number is whittled to 30. That's the kind of stuff I don't like. I mean, you can see some positives depending on on which direction things go in terms of some elements of privatization. This has been coming for a long time. You need to reduce the stress on certain parts of the healthcare system. Is that a way to do it? People aren't going to like it, but yes, that's a way to do it. And the idea that, yeah, the, the feedback is limited, that just doesn't play out well. It just doesn't look Good. So if you want to give your own feedback, that can happen tonight with uh, Andrea Horvath, Ontario NDP leader at 255 Horton from 630 to 8. We'll take a break and tell you what else is coming on London Live. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL.
Okay, we're going to go to news, and then we will have an opportunity for you to have some say on health care, your concerns on anything you did hear from Ontario NDP leader Andrea Horvath. That's coming up after Jacqueline LaBelle as well. Next hour, changes to OLG, and another opportunity for you to win some night's tickets, plus... What we have seen from London Life for a long time, we got to take some time to honor this company because it is a cornerstone in this city, and we'll do that. This is London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Check, check, one, two, testing. Let's take a few minutes and talk health care. If we look at public versus private, which is going to be one of the stories that continues to be front and center in health care, you can look at a number of countries around the world. Germany will claim that adding a private element to their health care has been beneficial. They have approximately 11% of their population that pays for private health insurance. And they claim that those individuals, now, let's face it, in order to pay for that, you have to have the money to pay for it. So does it make two-tiered? Yes. Does it separate the population? Yes. That's the thing. So you are not having a fair system, but it has always been argued that if some people were allowed to make use of a different system, it would alleviate some of the pressures on the current system. And that seems to be how it is working in Germany. There are other people who argue that over 20,000 Ontarians seek help outside the province in a private way for health care needs. If you need an MRI, there are other places to go. If you need certain types of medical care and you want to jump a line, there are other countries that you can go to, again, at a very significant cost. But those who are willing to pay and those who are fortunate enough to have the money to pay will continue to do so. They do it now. So where does that leave us? Where are the concerns in your mind? 519-643-2222. That's 519-643-2222. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. John, where are your concerns lying right now? Well, Mike, let's, I mean, first of all, the healthcare system is broken. And it's been broken under the Liberal watch for over 15 years. Now, one of the concerns I have is Liberals, NDP, want to give everybody everything, but at the taxpayers' dollars. And yeah, that was the platform that they kind of ran on the last time around, where it it would be, hey, we're we're not talking about a two-tiered system, we're talking about pharmacare, but there was a, a tax element to that. The problem is anything that is government run there's too much waste. It's cash for life. And I'm going to give you an example. I can tell you this now because my aunt doesn't work there any longer. She worked in an office at Humber, call, at, at Humber Hospital. She was given a stack of paperwork to do. She did it, takes it back to her supervisor's desk, did it all in one day. Her supervisor gives it back and says, I don't want to see this till the end of the week. She sat for the rest of the week reading a book because they wouldn't give her any other work. If you were to do that in the public sector, in my job, 
your job, anybody else's job that wasn't government. In the private sector, you mean? In the private sector, you wouldn't survive. The problem is everything is on the taxpayer's back. They don't care how much it costs because it's not personally coming out of their pocket. If you have companies running it that are out to make a profit, they will lean things down. Costs will come down. Like they, There's so much waste in the government. It, it's just ludicrous. But they don't care. They just keep upping taxes. Now, hey, I'm, I'm in full agreement of, of everything you have said. My concern, and Ms. Horvath kind of alluded to this a little bit, is when the private system decides that, hey, how do we stretch the bottom line a little bit more? How do, how do we make this a little bit better for our bottom line? And in healthcare, I don't think that's a very safe question to ask. Well, if you look at Germany and some of the European countries, they have some of the best medical procedures and things going on now. I mean, and like any other business, you can only get away with uh, inadequate service and, and poor performance and, and uh, you know, not doing things properly for so long. And you're going to be out of business. I mean, you, you can only do that for so long. Good point. And, and, and the problem is, what are we getting now for our tax dollars? We're not getting adequate service. We're not getting top-notch, uh, you know, procedures and stuff like that. I mean, my mother-in-law was in the hospital for three months. Their bottom line, the biggest concern was getting her out of that bed. They didn't care about patient care. Just how soon can you take her home? How soon can you take her home? Like, John, thanks for the call. Outlines a lot of things that we hear quite a bit. And, yeah, beds are at a premium. That's a problem. We've seen cutbacks in the numbers of beds for so long under so many different governments, whether it's psychiatric care beds, whether it's long-term care beds, and everything kind of just reaches out and says, okay, well, we can't put them here, but we have to put them somewhere. Let's put them here. And so beds do become a big issue in this. And there isn't a solution for that. You know, I don't don't think we're going to see private companies starting up brand new hospitals anytime soon. It's not going to work like that. So, yeah, John points to a a good perspective coming out of some European countries. I just worry about those bottom lines. But as he says, hey, then then you let you let the marketplace decide. And if somebody is offering up a poor bottom line and they're not providing that service, you're going to go to somebody else as long as there is somebody else. And that's. Another argument in favor of that two-tiered system. Right now, we don't have anybody else for certain things. I firmly believe if your health is in danger, if your life is in danger, they're going to look after you, and we get great care. And you see that if that's a concern. If you need to go and see a specialist for something, you may have a 10-month wait. And in some cases... That makes things life-threatening. 519-643-2222. Bob, your thoughts on this? Yeah, well, your previous caller made a good point about uh, the waste of government. I worked for a few different government uh, uh, entities, and uh, yeah, that, I can I can vote for that, Mike. It's just ridiculous. Having worked in the private sector and in uh, government, it, it's just it's just night and day. But uh, you know, you, you know, your guest fails to mention that we're a socialist country. Matter of fact, we're listed as in the top ten of socialist countries in the world. And what we're experiencing here now, because we're a socialist country, uh, is our health care system's crumbling. And it will continue to crumble 
until it's just completely gone. So we should cut to the chase, Mike, and we should uh, start uh, implementing some private sector health care. And we can keep things like, you know, uh, okay, you need stitches, you need a broken leg fixed. Yeah, we can provide you that for free. But when you're talking about serious uh, illnesses, when you need a specialist, you need a top surgeon, I would rather pay because I have gone to the States uh, two times. I'll be going again. And every time I make that decision, Mike, is because, number one, the wait times here are ridiculous. Number two, the doctors in America are better. And the next doctor I'm going to see... I'll challenge you on that. I'll challenge you on that all day long. You want to go and live in the States, Bob? Sometimes I wonder if you do. You know, go ahead. No, Mike, no, listen to what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I I, I went to see a specialist, uh, I don't know, I don't know, maybe six months ago for an upcoming procedure. Guess what this guy, guess where he's from? He's from Canada. He's from Ottawa. He was one of the top surgeons, top of the game in Canada. Well, there's no question that right. we have lost so, doctors, but at the same time, exactly. we also gain doctors from other yeah. countries, too. Bob, i got to move well, on. Well, well, quick, Mike, I'll give quick, you 30 more seconds. Okay, just, just quickly. When I compare the service between the Canadian health care system and the American health care system, it's night and day. I'm telling you now, when you go over there, and I have paid out of my I don't pocket. want to go there. No, but I'm saying, I was forced to do it, and a lot of other people are forced to do it as well. And, I, you know, I, can't, I don't have time to explain everything, but it, it actually happens more than you think it does. And I'm telling you, the service there and the care system is by far better. And they get the job done when you need it done, and they get it done in a timely fashion and a thorough I can compare all day. I don't have time, but I'm telling you, Mike, we better start putting a private sector. I'll pay for it. I will pay for a service in Canada and a private system. Just don't take my money and put it into the system we have anymore because it's a waste. And it's going to fall apart, Mike. It's going to completely fall well, apart. We'll see what happens, Bob. I appreciate the call. Take care. 519-643-2222. We'll get back into this in just a little bit because I firmly believe and you know, you can you can argue as Bob has, you can argue as other f- people have, but I firmly believe we do have a great health care system. You talk to enough doctors and nurses, and they will say, no, no, this, this is a good health care system. Can we make it better? We can make anything better. In fact, our next guest has a company that continues to make things better, and they continue to be a cornerstone in this city, not in health care, but in insurance. If we look back to the start of London Life and we look at where this company has gone, and then we've got an announcement today that sees a, a kind of a, I, maybe I, I won't take the words because maybe maybe I'm not using the right words. So let's bring on the man who can provide us with the right words. He is the president of London Life, Jeff McCown. Jeff, how are things? Mike, how are you? Good to hear from you. I am thrilled that you have taken the time for us. Thank you so much, and congratulations. I think when we look at London Life, when you think about London, that's what exists. But now you have to tell us about the amalgamation and how we now refer to everything, because I'm wondering whether London Life should come rolling off my tongue or something else. Well, Mike, uh, first of all, thanks for having us today, and uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, It's a great day uh, here in, in London, but also all across Canada. 
I think you know that we have uh, a little over 11,000 employees in Canada and uh, 3,100 of them are right here in downtown London, Ontario and today we announced that uh, we're moving to a new brand, a single brand I might add, uh, Canada Life and we are uh, we're taking the, all the best of our legacy brands of London Life, uh, which I grew up with right here in London, Ontario, Great West Life and the old Canada Life, and we're coming together to, uh, to move ahead in with one iconic brand, Canada Life. And is this effective immediately? We are now hearing Canada Life? We are, uh, yes, we're, uh, 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 the puck has dropped, Mike. It's, uh, <laughs> it's now, it's, uh, it's immediate, it's Canada Life. But, but I say that with, you know, it's going to take time for us, of course, Mike, to to continue to do a number of things, uh, you know, name changes and things such as that. But uh, we really see this as a real growth play uh, for us in Canada to come under one one iconic brand. When you took over the reins as president and CEO, it wasn't even that long ago. What are we talking about, about a year and a half? Well, uh, it, it, well it was actually October. Time flies, but it wasn't quite a year and a half, but not that long ago. Yeah, I guess it was. It was less than a year. I'm doing, I'm doing the math wrong. I'm thinking 2018 was a whole lot earlier than, uh, right. than it actually was. So it hasn't really been here. What has it been like to, to be at the helm of London Life, soon to be Canada Life? Well, it's, uh, it's been a great ride. It's, uh, you know, I, I've started here, Mike, uh, as you know. Um, I've had the pleasure of working here for a number of years. I've worked in other parts of Canada uh, but uh, as I've been telling people today, uh, when I approach this building or I'm in this building or I see people in the community, I'm extremely proud, always proud of our people, our, our employees. Uh, but more importantly, the great work that we do for Canadians across Canada. You know that we, we, uh, we work with one in three Canadians, which is pretty amazing and, uh, and we hope to grow that, Mike. But working here... It, 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 it's, it's, a, it's, it's a blast, it's significant, it's fun, and it's a great place to be. You're a guy who calls yourself very curious. Anything that you, you found that you, you didn't expect in the role that you're in right now? Um, I am curious. I like to ask questions. Um, I, I would say one thing I've learned, Mike, is today. Um, uh, in London, with, with the London life and, and it being such a prestigious brand, what I've been surprised about today is talking to employees and finding out how excited uh, our employees are about the future. That surprised me because we've got, we already have a great story. But today we, uh, we had almost all of our 3,000 employees over at Centennial Hall and it was electric, Mike, just electric and people are excited. So what surprised me? I knew people would be excited but they're over the top, and, uh, and uh, social media is going off the roof today. We're talking with Jeff McCown, president and CEO and Londoner of London Life and soon to be known just as Canada Life, as Great West Life, Canada Life, and London Life come under the same brand. If we look at branding in 2019, it, obviously this, this has uh, become a, a buzzword almost, but has branding always been there, or is it something different now? Well, I think, I think it's always been there, Mike. I think that we're all more aware. I think uh, individuals are more savvy about what it's all about. And, uh, and we, we, we plan to take uh, the new Canada Life brand to, to places that we haven't been before. And just on that, our branding strategy is, you know, this, this today and over the, I'll call it the next uh, three or four weeks, is really to get all our 11,000 employees around Canada 
really on board to understand where we're going. And then we're going to aggressively uh, go out into the market to make sure that all the advisors and consultants we work with are at Twitches over 23,000. And then we're going to become a lot more louder in the marketplace towards the end of the year and into 2020 with a lot of new branding, uh, whether it be TV and different prints. So uh, we're sending a loud message out to the marketplace. And is there a, a, an end goal in that or a reason to make sure that that presence is there? Well, it all, it all starts and ends with the customer, and uh, our number one goal is to serve our customers. So more delighted customers is what uh, we're all about here at the New Canada Life. Well, it is certainly great to see the cornerstone that this particular company is your company. And hey, when uh, when you drive down Wellington, you know exactly what building you are approaching. And uh, I think now, as you say, as, as we make our way around the country, you're going to know exactly where this comes from. So, Jeff, thank you so much for the time today. Again, congratulations. All the best into the future. Thank you, Mike. You've always been a big supporter of ours. We appreciate it. I just, I just paid up my, uh, my, my policy, so I'm, I'm all set, and I couldn't be a happier customer. Thank you, Mike. Have a great day. <laughs> Take care. Uh, that is Jeff McCown, president and CEO of London Life. Uh, We will take a break and then we'll come back with a whole lot more. We still have Knights tickets to give away. We're going to talk to the OLG. They're making some changes which could make jackpots bigger. I think not even could. I think will make jackpots bigger. And we'll talk about that. Uh, Lots more to come. This is London Live. You're listening to Global News Radio 980 CFPL. We are going to see students out on the sidewalks a little earlier than usual tomorrow. We have, of course, a walkout that has been planned. It was started using the hashtag students say no. And there were easy instructions to find on a website for any students wanting to organize a walkout in their school. And this is not looking at healthcare, but this is looking at something that is right parallel with healthcare, and that is the Doug Ford government's proposed changes to education and some of the concerns that they have. And you know, I guess if we if we rewind everything, you've got to look at the mess that the Doug Ford government inherited. The mess that basically had our province without money. And with a whole lot of debt. And, you know, there aren't a lot of places to start to save when you're running the government. You think there are, but then you get in there and you think, yeah, but we can't cut that because we still need that. So we could make changes here and save some money in this portfolio. And then we could make changes and save some money in this portfolio. And that's kind of how you have to do it. You can't just cut things completely. You know, we saw desperation measures by the liberal government in selling off part of hydro. So you don't want to be doing that kind of stuff. That's short-term fix stuff. But we are going to see a lot of concerns. And this is starting with the students now. By summertime, we're going to be hearing it from teachers. And we are probably going to see a work-to-rule campaign. We're probably going to see uh, extracurriculars go out the window. And there are some changes that you look at and you think, really, that's, that's what you're doing? And it looks to the separation of things. If you have the money to pay for something, great. 
Congratulations. If you don't, then that becomes a big concern. And one of the changes is, of course, to the OSAP program. The free tuition for low-income families would be scrapped. I mean, really? There's got to be ways around this because there are so many different loopholes here, there, and all over. That's a tough one. Uh, The mandatory e-learning? Okay. If you're going to do mandatory e-learning, I hope they take some time to check in on some of the e-learning courses that exist. Not all of them are up to snuff. Not all of them are actually going to be helpful. And that cuts back on teachers. And there's a lot of philosophy that you have, okay, well, in university, you've got 500 people in a class or 400 people in a class. Yes, some classes you do. And we've got to prepare students for that if they're going to university. Not all students are. College classes are not that size. And the learning is different. And you want to create a base of learning. You want to teach people how to learn. You need other people to do that while they are in high school. You don't just want to say, yeah, okay, well, here's what it's like. So we're going to put a teacher in Calgary on a screen, and everybody here is going to watch that screen, and it's going to be like we have 10,000 people in the class, and we'll save on having to have a teacher. That's not the right way to do things. There's also concern about cell phones. There is also concern about scrapping what could have been additions to the curriculum in sex education and indigenous content. So that's why the kids are walking out tomorrow. It's not just to skip class. This is their first voice. We're going to hear from teachers in the summer and probably at the start of the school year next year. But get ready because health care is just one part of the, I guess, the, the creation of a whole lot of, hey, wait a minute, that we're going to get over the next while. Now, if it one day results in, hey, balanced budget, guess what? Everybody gets a check for this amount every month. Uh, We're going to look back and say, yeah, that Doug Ford government, they did a great job. If it doesn't happen like that, we're going to look back and say something else. This is London Live and Global News Radio 980 CFPL. We're going to talk jackpots in just a little while. No one may result in a jackpot. This was hardly... Huge news yesterday, but the AF, you know the AF, horrible acronym. Who didn't see this coming? The Alliance of American Football ceased operations yesterday. That's two leagues in one week. The Canadian Women's Hockey League ceased operations on the weekend. Now the AF goes down. And while they haven't folded, they might as well fold. You can't cease operations three weeks before the playoffs and say, yeah, we're in great shape. But if you're looking to see the AF's contribution to the sports world, it may still exist. Everybody was scratching their heads as to why, just why, the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, Tom Dundon, would invest in the AF. Hundreds of millions of dollars he invested in this football league that, I don't know if you saw any highlights. It was easier to move the ball using pass interference than it was using the completion of a pass. That's It was not good football at all. Now, they did have some unique ideas. You couldn't kick extra points. You had to try and run them in. But the most unique idea may have been the reason why Tom Dundon even invested in this thing in the first place. And that is simply to get his hands 
on an app, not the AF, the AF's app. And that app allows you to gamble within games, place bets within games. And it was pretty unique. I mean, for all the things that the AF couldn't do right, because they, you just didn't have the quarterback skill. You just, you just, it wasn't, it wasn't the level of football that people are going to sit around and say, hey, this is good stuff. Can I see some more of this? But you did have this app. That's very likely what Tom Dundon wanted. And that's very likely what Tom Dundon will walk away with. And he may make an awful lot of money when NBA games, NHL games, NFL games, Major League Baseball games, that's where all of this is going. To be able to sit there and when Bryce Harper is up against the Washington Nationals, his former team, you're going to be asked a question. Will Bryce Harper hit a home run? How much would you like to wager? This is a dangerous thing. I'm not saying it isn't. Because it's very easy to spend money these days. And you say, I think he's going to hit a home run. I'm going to wager $10. And you put down your $10 and maybe you win. And then you wager a little bit more the next inning. And a little bit more and a little bit more. And at the end of the game, you're down 5 bucks, or you're up 15 Or, watch out, because it could be possible, you're down a lot. So hopefully they have the right restrictions on this. But that's the kind of stuff that's coming. And one day when the AF is no longer even thought of anymore, that's what they will have provided to the world. Next up, we'll talk about jackpots of a different kind. Ones that you can just buy a single ticket and win. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Beautiful day in the neighborhood. We still have an opportunity for you to win Knights tickets before we close out the show today. The London Knights take on the Guelph Storm. Game one is Friday night at Budweiser Gardens. Game two is Sunday afternoon at Budweiser Gardens. And already, I like this, there are people who are calling this the OHL Championship Series. There'd be a lot of teams that would not be in favor of that, like the Ottawa 67s who finished first in the Ontario Hockey League, but maybe Western Conference Championship? I don't know. These these are two very good teams. And the hope is that you get a series like that, where it does go six or seven games, and it is full marks for entertainment. Every other junior league, the QMJHL in Quebec and the Maritimes and the Western Hockey League, they had some real first-round entertainment. They had Game 7s all over the place. The final Game 7 wrapped up last night. Calgary beat Lethbridge, and Lethbridge was down a goal, and in the third period, the puck comes to a Lethbridge player right at the side of the net. He's got an open side, and he shoots it, and it goes kind of across the crease and misses the post on the other side. He will be seeing that in his dreams, in his daydreams. He might just be seeing that in his mind walking down the street for the rest of the summer. I mean, that was tough. There was a lot of really good, exciting stuff. The host of the Memorial Cup tournament, Halifax, did make it through in a Game 7, so they broke the streak because for three years in a row, there was a chance that the host team could go out in the first round. It happened two years ago when Windsor lost in the first round. It happened last year when Regina lost in the first round. Could have happened again. But in the end, did not take place. Halifax won. The OHL's first round was exciting for a different reason. It was fast. It was over in 35 games. 
There were three extra games needed. That was it. The, sh- the shortest round you could ever have would be eight sweeps, 32 games. The OHL goes through at 35. So we're looking for some maybe closer series in round two, and we should get them because there is an awful lot of talent and skill in the eight remaining teams. It's gone exactly according to plan. If you buy a lottery ticket, you hope that what you have just purchased will wind up going exactly according to plan. That if you have selected the numbers 3, 10, 17, 21, 24, and 33, that those are the numbers that come up in the draw. That's exactly what you hope. You look for that to go according to plan. It's not all that easy to have that happen. But we do have some changes we wanted to get you caught up on with regard to Ontario Lottery and gaming and what is happening. And Dita Kutti is here with us right now. Dita, how are things? Good, good. It's an exciting time to be a Lotto Max player. No doubt. What changes are you making? Uh, so the biggest change, there's two really big changes. So Lotto Max draws are moving to two draws a week. So we're adding in a Tuesday draw in addition to the current Friday draw. So that's two times a week that you have a chance at these big, big jackpots. We're getting and to a course, point where we we don't have too many days of the week where you can't look ahead and see a drawing of some kind in this province. That's true. There's, there's always a game to play, and we have different players. Some like to play all of the games. Some have you know certain preferences. Some play only Lotto Max. Some love Daily Grand. And we love to offer our, our customers a variety of options with different prizing, different game mechanics. Um, but with Lotto Max, we are looking to uh, increase the jackpot cap to $70 million from its current $60 million, and that is starting um, the first draw of the new Lotto Max will be Tuesday, May 14th, uh, so just coming up in a couple weeks. So $70 million will be the biggest jackpot offered in Canadian history. Wow. So when we see things like this happen, mm-hmm. is it showing the success of the program? What is it that it's doing? Well, basically, uh, so Lotto Max has been around for almost 10 years now, and we do see that we want to refresh our games after, you know, a, a, t- a period of time to keep our customers interested. And we did a lot of research around Lotto Max, and people told us that they wanted to see those jackpots go higher. That was, you know, people are motivated by dreaming big and those big, big jackpots. Obviously, we see huge jackpots in the United States. We don't have the population to sustain, you know, those Powerball jackpots that we hear about in the U.S., but in Canada. You know, people wanted to see bigger jackpots, so we've done that. They wanted to see more ways to win, so we've also added two more prize categories into the new Lotto Max launching on May 14th. Um, so there's been a lot of customer research here, and we just want to give players what they want. I guess, finally, if we look at where money is is generated and where it goes through the mm-hmm. lottery program, through OLG, where does that money come back to? So 100% of proceeds from lottery, from OLG, go back to the province of Ontario. And that money goes to support community programs, amateur sport, uh, education, hospitals. So it's all going to a good place. And, of course, prizing goes back to players. And uh, I did a little bit of research. And in London, last year was a great year for London for lottery. There were 65 tickets sold in London uh, that were worth 50000 or more. So some really nice wins in, in London in 2018. Wait a minute, can you run through those numbers again for us? Yeah, 65 tickets. 
major prize-winning tickets sold in London in 2018. And if we look at all prizes, you know, even those $2 prizes, $20 prizes, which is nice. It's always nice to hear that winner, Danielle Asan. Um, that was over four, $5 million just in London. Um, oh, sorry, $63 million in prizing just in London um, uh, in 2018. Okay, so in London in 2018, mm-hmm. we had $63 million in prizes? That's correct. That's correct. Across the board for all lottery products, not just Lotto Max, but all lottery products. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah, that's not there's bad. A lot of, there's a lot of winning going around. There's a lot of winning going around. And of course, if you don't win, you know, you know that that money is going back to all the great things uh, in Ontario, like hospitals, education, amateur sport, all of those things as well. All right. Well, Dita, thank you so much, and uh, thanks for bringing us up to date on the changes. We do happen to have a prize right now. We can give away $100 in Lotto Max coupons, and if you would like to do that winning, uh, Dita, Dita, select us a number between 1 and 5. What what number do you like best between 1 and 5? I always go with 5. Always go with 5. You have a great afternoon. You too. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Caller 5 right now, 519-643-2222. That's 519-643-2222, and you can win $100 in Lotto Max coupon. It's been a winning day. We still have some night's tickets to give away. We'll do that before the end of the show. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Big congratulations to Mike for taking home $100 in Lotto Max coupons. Been a day of winning, and we aren't finished yet. We'll give you a chance to win two tickets to go and see the London Knights and the Guelph Storm on Sunday afternoon before the end of the show. And the show is almost over, so that is coming up very soon. Uh, tomorrow, we are going to be talking Continental Cup of Curling. We haven't had a, ch- a chance to do that just yet. And look at what it is that is bringing this event back to London. This is an event that took place in Vegas year after year after year. And then all of a sudden they decide to bring it to London. And it was enough of a success that basically, what, 14 months later, they go, where should should we go? Because they went back to Vegas. And Vegas is a very fun place to go. But then you say, yeah, but look at the attention that we got in London, Ontario. Look at the support. So the best curlers in the world are on their way back to London, Ontario for 2020. So we'll discuss that. Uh, We also have the OHL Priority Selection coming up and the start of this Knights Guelph series that we've been talking about. So we'll discuss that a little bit. Lots of things to get to on the show as we continue through the week. Right now, let's give you an opportunity to win one more time today. Never before on London Live have we given away three different things. Today's the first. Always love to do things for the first time. Uh, Ticket giveaway for the Knights in the Storm on Sunday afternoon. All you have to do is answer a skill testing question and be able to go. That is it. So if you can answer a question, 519-643-2222. That's 519-643-2222. And be able to go to the game. Then you are off if you are the first person to answer this right. Here is the skill testing question. Name one of the two Londoners who plays for the Guelph Storm. Just one. You don't even have to name both of them. Name one of the two Londoners who plays for the Guelph Storm. Again, tomorrow we have a planned high school student walkout from school to protest some of the proposed changes that are coming. And, you know, you wonder whether this has an impact. I, I don't know. 
You look around at European countries, you look around at countries in Asia, and they tend to get results if they are able to go out and show that a lot of people are against something. You know, Bob said earlier, and in some ways is absolutely right, that we live in, as he called it, a socialist country. You can look at it as being a socialist democracy. You can look at it as being whatever you want. You can, you can describe it as, as a lot of things. We rarely, rarely hear what we have in Canada described as a complete and utter democracy, maybe the way it was intended. Um, you know, it, it's difficult to know whether this will have any sort of impact. It really won't, but it will be a part of a number of things. But no matter what goes on in terms of, hey, wait a minute, I don't like what I see, you're not necessarily going to influence the decision makers. You know, I, that's something that I, that I don't necessarily see happening. They're going to hold fast to what they have, and they're going to lay it out. And, you know, we're always told, well, contact your MPP. Well, contact your MP. And as much as it can have an impact in certain situations, when you're talking about an entire plan, I don't think it has that big an impact because you, unless unless you're pointing out a fatal flaw, you're not going to have everybody saying, hey, you know what? I've had six emails come in. I think we better revisit this. I think we better look at this again. We'll just redo the entire plan that we had because we've got some people who are quite upset about this. I don't think it plays out like that. So in this case, yeah, you're, you're going to stand up. You're going to have your voice heard, and that's important. But this is a train that's already headed down the tracks, in my mind. 519-643-2222. Let's go to Arnold. And Arnold, all we need is the name of one of the two Londoners who play for the Guelph Storm, and you will be off to game two between the Knights and the Storm, 2 o'clock on Sunday. Any ideas? Arnold, are you still with us? Yes. Oh, there you are. We need the name of one of the two Londoners who played for the Guelph Storm, and you could be off to see the Knights and the Storm on Sunday. I'm Suzuki. Nick Suzuki. You are exactly right. Hang on. We'll get some information from you. Beautifully done. Nick Suzuki would have worked and did. Isaac Ratcliffe also could have worked. We'll have more tickets to give away on 980 CFPL as we head toward the start of that series. And you can hear the entire series on 980 CFPL beginning on Friday night. We'll have a pregame show at 6.30. We also have an OHL priority selection show, a draft show, that is going to be taking place on Saturday, and that will be from 11 until 1. And there will also be a very special presentation that looks back after 1 o'clock at the Humboldt bus crash, tr- crash tragedy and looks back a year later. And this is not going back to revisit what took place. This this is really well done. You need to hear this. And that's going to be coming up on Saturday as well. So lots of great stuff on the way in terms of hockey content at the junior hockey level. So be ready because uh, because it's happening. We also have Blue Jays baseball for you this afternoon. The Jays do not play this evening. They have a 4:07 start against the Baltimore Orioles, and we will have that game for you starting at 4 o'clock. And we'll see if the Jays can grab one from the Orioles. 
The Jays, not exactly. I wouldn't call it a tough start yet. There's young guys. They're 2-4. and four. They're not exactly the World Series champion Boston Red Sox who haven't scored a run out in Oakland yet. They've lost two games, and they're 1-5 and five on the season. If the defending World Series champions can be 1-5, and five, let the young team grow, and let's see what it can do. We've got news on the way with Jacqueline LaBelle and Matthew Trevithick. Thanks so much to Matt McInnes for all of his help on the program today. London Live is brought to to you by courtesy Ford Lincoln, 684 Warncliffe Road South. And again, tomorrow, a high school walkout to follow. We are also going to be taking a look at the latest in what is happening in federal politics with changes in the caucus. We'll keep tabs on all of that and more as uh, we make our way through a week. We're already through Wednesday, almost. News on the way. We'll have traffic, we'll have weather, and we will have more. This is Global News Radio. 980 CFPL.